If they weren't being paid to kill, they'd do it for sport. Like a dagger in the dark, this is the War Games Orchard. Welcome to the show, my name's Nathan Stone, and I will be your host today. We are looking at the Assassins of the Dark Elves, from 3rd to 8th edition on this episode. Before we do that, let's pop into some news and some hobby. I have to be honest with you, this episode is actually being recorded at the same time, well, on the same day anyway, as the next episode or the previous episode. I'm not really sure which episode's going to come out first. GJ and I have a episode planned about some of the more interesting regiments that never got rules, but were described at least in passing. And we're going to take a look and see if we can make them come alive. So that will have either been the previous episode or the next episode. But time shenanigans aside, I don't have too much to share with you today because I'm going to save a lot of that for when I'm talking with GJ. I just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who has helped the orchard reach this point. And what point am I talking about? Well, we are. 75 episodes in, and we have over 23,000 downloads. It's been great to see the podcast numbers grow. January had been our best month, and then February was our best month. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, March will beat that out. Although we did have one episode that I missed on that one, so we'll have to see how we do. Either way, This has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for listening, for your support, and of course, thanks to our wonderful patrons who fund this show and keep the proverbial lights on. As far as hobby goes, I am working on some Space Marine stuff for the 3rd edition Warhammer 40k campaign that I will hopefully be playing in this summer. I painted a combat squad of tactical marines. I think all of my tactical marines for the list that I make for this campaign are going to be in combat squads. It's going to have kind of the feel of the old Chaos Gate game. That's what I'm going for as inspiration for this, a space marine strike force with limited resources. I also painted up a commander. He is going to be the leader for at least the first part of this campaign. We'll see if something awful befalls him. The last campaign I was in was last summer's Storm of Chaos that my friends and I did, and I took Vardak Krom. Now, Krom is an absolute steal of a character. He is wonderful, and he performed so, so well. However, we were using a lot of the Mordheim rules for advancing characters and seeing what happened to characters after games. Unfortunately, Krom was captured by some awful evil high elves and they executed him after a failed rescue attempt. So hopefully the same thing does not befall my poor Crimson Fist commander, but we shall see. I'm most proud of his banner. I made a custom back banner for him. It's kind of a pennant style banner 
with half of the Imperial Aquila on it. And man, I love making banners. There's something way too satisfying about making banners. They're the ultimate creativity blank canvas. And I suppose that makes sense. But it bears repeating that if you don't make banners, just give it a try. It's not hard, really. And they add so much character to your models. I wasn't a huge fan of the commander that I painted up until I put a banner on him. And now I kind of love him. And that guarantees that something awful is going to happen to him in our campaign. That's gonna about do it for the preamble. Let's jump in to things and hope that we make it out alive here because the assassins of Nagaroth do not take prisoners. We're going to be starting with 3rd edition. And 3rd edition, really, if you don't spend time just marveling at the wondrousness of 3rd edition, you should consider it because it is an awesome era and really, really cool for the Dark Elves as well. The Dark Elves aren't the Dark Elves that we will know and love. There's no Marathi, there's no Malekith, there's no big civil war on Ulthwan, other than the fact that the Dark Elves stem from a line of evil, chaos-worshipping sorcerers who were banished from Nagaroth and have created their own civilization. What is pretty interesting about the Dark Elves in this era is there's so many odd little units that we just don't see in the later eras. Things like Whelp Masters, who are kind of the proto-beast masters for the Dark Elves, but they had Mastiffs instead of other monsters, just big angry doggos. Uh, there was also Shadows, who were the proto-Dark Elf Scouts, and two versions of Cold One Knights, Doom Drakes and Hell Drakes. And I'm going to be honest, there's not a ton of difference between the two of them. It's just kind of cool that there are two different versions. I'm going to cover those on a later episode that is going to be devoted entirely to cold ones. And I hope that I won't spend the entire time complaining, but no promises there. Now on to assassins. Assassins are hero level characters, kind of the way they always were and will be as we look through the timeline. We get a very small amount of lore for them in this edition. Any child born to a witch elf is cast into a cauldron of boiling blood to live or perish according to the whim of Cain, god of murder. Those chosen by Cain to survive this horrific ordeal become his adepts and are brought up in the cult to become assassins. Dark elf assassins may make poisoned attacks. So that is kind of the sum total of what makes them special, but they do get some kind of universal assassin rules that we'll cover cover in a minute. Now, if you've listened to some of our other episodes where we start in third edition, you'll know what is coming here, and that is that assassins can be different levels of hero. In third edition, you would buy heroes by level. And usually this ranged from level 5 to level 25, and in increments of 5. So you would have 5 levels, starting at level 5 and going to 25. And 
At level 5, they were about the equivalent of a champion in Hero Hammer, and a little bit better than a champion in later editions. By level 25, they were better than the lords that you would see in the later eras. Level 20, kind of that fourth step, is about where you would find that lord stat line that you would come to know and love in Hero Hammer. So hopefully that gives you a kind of idea of where these things fall. Assassins could be taken from level 5 to 25. And if you remember our episode on Skaven Assassins, which was a long time ago now, they were a little bit more constrained as far as how high up the hero chart they could go. That isn't the case for Dark Elf Assassins, who can be monstrously powerful. Now, the best thing about 3rd edition as far as heroes go were some of the hero names (laughs) that were given out here. So if you were a level 5 assassin, you're a bloodshade. If you are a level 10 assassin, you are a gore drinker. If you are a level 15 assassin, you're a blood fetch. If you're a level 20 assassin, you're a dagulus. And if you're a level 25 assassin, you are a doomblade. And the assassin's range in points cost from 48 for the level 5 to 208 for the level 25. Assassins could have any of the Dark Elf war gear that you would expect them to be able to take. And in the main rules of 3rd edition, they got some additional special rules. Assassins was a unit type that many of the army lists had, and so their assassin special rules got put into the main rulebook. And what these rules describe is the hide-in-units rules. So this is something that, if you're a Skaven player, if you're a Dark Elf player, you know you love. You hide the model in a unit, in one of your friendly units. They pop out to fight when the unit charges or is charged. I'm not going to read out the whole rule here because it's a six-paragraph rule uh, with many bullet points. The important thing to know is it is the hide-in-unit rule. Also, as an added little bonus, all assassins cost an extra 25 points added on to their hero point totals. So you can spend a lot of points on an assassin in Hero Hammer. Even that one wound level five... Hero is going to cost you 73 points before you give him anything. Profile-wise, Dark Elves are about what you would expect, perhaps maybe stronger and tougher in this edition. We'll look at the level 5 hero first. He is movement 5, weapon skill 5, ballistic skill 5, strength 4, toughness 3, 1 wound, initiative 7, 2 attacks, leadership 8, intelligence 9, cool 9, Willpower 8. That's a pretty good stat line for a level 5 hero. I especially like how cool he is. The Dark Elves, mmm, so cool. And then let's skip down to the level 25 hero so you can see how things progress once you get to that maximum level. Movement 5, Weapon Skill 7, Ballistic Skill 6, Strength 4, Toughness 4, 4 Wounds, Initiative 9, 4 Attacks, Leadership 10 plus 3, Intelligence 10 plus 2, Cool 10 plus 2, Willpower 10 plus 2. So things escalate quickly, but so do the points costs. 
Before we get off third edition here, one of my favorite, favorite things about the Dark Elves pre-fourth edition is that they are much more strongly tied to chaos and to the Dark Gods. So you may give your Dark Elf character chaotic attributes from my favorite books of all time, The Realm of Chaos. They can get D6 minus 3 personal attributes. So you could have an assassin that has like 14 eyes, an extra arm, hopefully not all the wobbly leg stuff that I got when I was making a character last. It's very, very cool. I love the added little bit with tying them into chaos. This is a very cool era for Dark Elves, and if you're interested in trying out 3rd edition or that old Hammer era, I think the Dark Elf list is a fantastic place to start. All right, let's go and wander off to more familiar pastures here. 4th edition, the Hero Hammer era of Dark Elves. Now, the assassins of 4th edition are going to set the tone for the rest of the assassins we will see on our journey today. Their lore has been changed, and this is going to become a more familiar type of lore here. During the insane revelries of Death Knight, the witch elves steal away young male children who they raise in the temples of Cain. As they grow, they learn the dark secrets of Cain, the deadly martial arts, the power of poisons, how to move without sound and how to slip through the night unseen. They are murderers supreme, the most deadly agents of the Witch King. Dark elf assassins have few equals in combat. They are master swordsmen and their weapons are rendered even more deadly by being tipped with black venom. In battle they are secreted amongst the other dark elves and hunt down enemy leaders, wizards, and other vulnerable characters, pouncing upon them unexpectedly as regiments clash in combat. So this lore is a little less brutally dark than the third edition lore. It's no more tossing babies into cauldrons of boiling blood. It's just, hey, we stole this baby, murdered their parents, and now we're going to raise them to become killing machines. Maybe not that much less dark now that I say it out loud. Hmm. Anyway, the assassins of 4th edition have a pretty appropriate stat line here. Movement 5, weapon skill 9, ballistic skill 9, strength 4, toughness 4, 1 wound, initiative 10, 2 attacks, and leadership 10. That is some off-the-wall weapon skill, ballistic skill, and initiative. They hate high elves, which is important, and something I forgot to mention in 3rd edition, that 3rd edition dark elves hate all other elven kindreds. And there were more elves in 3rd edition than there are in later editions because there was the Sea Elves, which we'll have to do an episode on at some point. Alongside all of the hatred, they have poisoned attacks, which in this case gave them D3 wounds instead of 1. They had Disguise, which was part of the hide-in-a-unit rule, as well as Attack, which told you how to put the assassin into the front rank when combat starts and they could fight who they wanted. It went on to detail further fighting. And then finally, leadership. And this is going to be a little bit 
different than in later editions. It includes the same principle where Dark Elves can never use the Assassin's leadership for morale. However, it details that if the unit that he is in is forced to flee or subjected to any psychology or other leadership-based test which it fails, then the Assassin has two options. Firstly, he can remain with the unit and is affected along with other troops. Secondly, if he is within five inches of another Dark Elf infantry unit, he can take a separate leadership test, and if he passes, he can move immediately to this new unit. If he is unable to do so, he is carried along with a broken slash fleeing unit. That's kind of a cool trick if you've got units that are close together. The assassin gets out of dodge and to the safety of a, another unit before the unit that he is in flees or is run down. You can get a Dark Elf Assassin for 56 points in Hero Hammer, and any regiment of Dark Elf Infantry may include a single Dark Elf Assassin. So this isn't quite the same as a Skaven who can load up on them a little bit. You only get one per infantry unit, and a Dark Elf Assassin is entitled to up to one magic item chosen from the appropriate cards. So Assassins, of course, always prone to interesting shenanigans. You do something like giving him the Heart of Woe, or perhaps the Dark Mace of Death, or one of those items that really causes a, a wide swath of, of damage. With Weapon Skill 9 and Initiative 10, they are quite good at killing champions or other two-wound heroes, but don't overlook their Ballistic Skill of 9. It's probably worthwhile giving them a repeater crossbow, just so after that first combat when they've already been revealed and they're in the front rank, they can take some shots at their ridiculous ballistic skill that even if you're shooting multi-shot, even if you're moving and shooting, you're still probably hitting on twos. So a little bit more utility there for our Dark Elf Assassins as well. The Hero Hammer era is a really neat one for Assassins, just because of the sheer diversity and fun things you can do with magic items at this time period. If you wanted to keep an assassin cheap, you could even give him something like the Potion of Strength, and then suddenly you have an assassin that pops out. You've probably given him two hand weapons, so three attacks at Strength 7, Weapon Skill 9, doing D3 wounds. Probably enough to finish off a monster or a hero that doesn't have too good of a special save. I like them a lot. The models in the Hero Hammer era were very simplistic. They were just kind of guys in cloaks holding daggers, but I still like them. I have at least two or three of them kicking around, and I don't often add them to my Dark Elf armies, but that's more of a issue of running out of points very quickly, as opposed to me not liking them. All right, now let's head from... One not-so-great book to another not-so-great book. Sixth edition, the Assassins of Sixth are pretty similar to their fourth edition counterpart, but there are some important changes that we should note. First up, there are some stat line changes. Assassins are now Movement 6, Weapon skill 9, Ballistic skill 9, Strength 4, Toughness 3, 2 wounds, Initiative 10, 3 attacks, and Leadership 10. The big changes to note here are the Toughness downgrade to 3. This is something that all elves went through. 
in 6th edition, Games Workshop figured that really no elf should ever be higher than Toughness 3. It is what it is. I'm not a huge fan of that downgrade, but I do understand it. Elves being, at least in lore, a little bit more frail than some of the other factions in fantasy. Three attacks is very nice, however. You want your assassin to do fun assassin things, and he can't do that if he doesn't hit enough. And having an extra attack certainly helps that. Their special rules for this edition are hidden and leadership. So hidden, we know hiding in units, it's not that different. And leadership changes from 4th edition. They lose that ability to pop between regiments. However, they keep the rule that says that other Dark Elves may not use their leadership. Assassins get very expensive in 6th edition. They're at 125 points. They are armed with a hand weapon, and they may choose an additional hand weapon for 4 points. They may choose magic items with the exception of armor, or upgrades from the Temple of Cain list with a maximum total of 50 points. You may have noticed that the poison rule is gone in 6th edition. Dark Elf Assassins do not receive poison as a base rule. Instead, they go to that lovely Temple of Cain, where they get to spend even more of your precious points on poisons and other abilities. There are some really cool things here, however. Firstly, poisons, you have three choices. First up is Manbane. It is the most expensive at 25 points. Manbane is one of the most lethal venoms ever devised, causing even the tiniest wound to bleed openly. A character with a weapon coated with Manbane always counts their strength as one higher than their target's toughness, unless their strength would normally be more than this, up to a maximum of strength 6. In effect, this means they almost always wound opponents on a roll of 3+. The modified strength is also used to calculate armor save modifiers. This is a really good way to get around most units' toughness and armor. So you can see why that one is 25 points. Also at 25 points is Black Lotus. Black Lotus has a terrifying effect on living flesh, driving victims into delusions and insanity. For every wound a model suffers from a weapon poisoned with the Black Lotus, after saves, etc., they also lose one point from all of their other characteristics except movement. This lasts for the rest of the battle. You could do some fun stuff here if you wounded something but didn't kill it. Make some legendary lord a little bit less legendary. I think Manbane is probably more useful, but Black Lotus sounds fun. Finally, we have a Dark Venom. This one is only 10 points. And extracted from the poisonous reptiles of the bleak land of Nagaroth, Dark Venom is a deadly toxin. A weapon coated with dark venom will cause a mortal wound if it even merely scratches the skin. The model is considered to have poisoned attacks as detailed on page 114 of the Warhammer rulebook. That's right, it's just basic poison. Once you've spent some point on poison, perhaps you would like some artifacts and skills from your Temple of Cain as well. There is some cool ones here. I'm not going to go through all of them, but the Dance of Doom for 30 points gives you a 5-up ward save. 
The Touch of Death for 30 points gives you the Killing Blow ability. The Rune of Cain for 25 gives you plus one attack. However, you must always pursue fleeing enemies. Kind of a frenzy light. Think of it that way. Hand of Cain is 25 points. And a single model in base contact loses an attack. And if it's a mounted character, you can choose between the mount or the rider losing that attack. However, it does not work on models immune to psychology. So some kind of neat stuff in the artifacts and skills within the Temple of Cain. My issue here is you're already paying 125 points for an assassin. To give him just regular old poison is an extra 10, so that's 135 points. And goodness help you if you want to give him anything beyond that, because he's going to be so, so expensive. Because you could give him some magic items as well, but at some point you have to ask yourself whether all of that investment is going to pay off for you. For a very squishy character. The best you're going to do on him is maybe making opponents lose an attack and that 5-up ward save. It's just not going to get you very far with toughness 3 and 2 wounds. So I think the assassin, certainly harder to use in 6th edition. I think you want to be really careful. You want to have a plan with what they're going to do. That being said, I mean, they still have a pretty great profile. They can still be pretty deadly but you are going to pay a premium for that. All right, let's keep trucking through time here, and we're going to hit on 7th edition. 7th edition Dark Elves are kind of an interesting one because the 7th ed era was so lopsided for books that if you weren't playing one of the tremendously powerful books like Demons, you kind of felt as if you were playing with old or out-of-date rules. And it's a bit of a shame, because I don't think Dark Elves were a bad book for 7th. I think they had a lot going for them. It was just kind of overshadowed by the huge imbalances that appeared within army books at the time. 7th edition also brought us some really interesting new characters and options. Things like Malice Darkblade in the main book, Lokir Felhart and his sweet Kraken mask. I love that mask. It's so cool. Koran of the Blackguard, who was killed by Tyrion once, but apparently got better. There's a lot to like here. But are assassins one of those things that we should like? Well, let's start off with the lore. It is much expanded over the 4th edition lore. And I think there is enough here to justify us going over it. While young Dark Elf girls taken by Cain become witch elves, male children raised in the temples of Cain are destined to be assassins. These are the most deadly and evil Dark Elves of all. Masters of subtle and murderous magic. The neophytes are raised in the blood fields of the temples, learning the arts of war and death. The merciless and deadly few that survived the first ten years of this training killing their fellow adepts in face-to-face -face fighting, or by more devious means, go to the great temples of Nagrand and Harganeth, where they learn the deepest mysteries of Cain. None outside the cult know of all the secrets of the temples, save perhaps Helebron and Shadowblade. And each assassin will learn the particular skills and techniques of his master. 
The Cult of Cain hires out the services of its assassins to Malekith and other rulers in Nagrand, in exchange for sacrifices, wealth, and political favor. Though the price is high, such is the skill of these killers that there is a constant demand for their services. Many assassins ply their deadly trade in the cities of the Dark Elves, eliminating their employers' competitors and aiding in coups against the ruling families. Some assassins are hired by Black Ark commanders to train their corsairs in war and to sow terror amongst the populace of the raid's target. Assassins are also employed to keep discipline and loyalty among the troops of an army captain. The skill and guile of these deadly warriors is such that the troops they accompany usually do not know that there is an assassin within their ranks. The fear and uncertainty this causes helps to keep seditious talk and rebellion to a minimum, for no dark elf can be absolutely certain with whom he is conspiring. Assassins are masters of using poison and coat their weapons with a variety of venoms, some of which are deadly, others which paralyze or stupefy their victims so that they can be captured and tortured for information or pleasure. One scratch from some of these poisons is enough to send a man into an agonizing paroxysm. As his nerves burn, his heart explodes, or his bones crack and shatter. The assassins take great pleasure in the awful demise of their victims, and are adept at keeping prisoners alive for many days. Often they can extract confessions and information from captives much more quickly than the crude tortures used by other Nagarothi interrogators. We get a little bit more information on assassins in 7th edition there. Their profile is unchanged from 6th, still those lovely weapon skill, ballistic skill, 9, initiative 10, 3 attacks, all the good stuff. Their special rules have changed slightly. They have eternal hatred, which was a new thing for dark elves at the time. Eternal hatred means that they hate everyone, and they especially hate high elves. They had canite, which was a unit designation, but for assassins meant basically nothing. They had Always Strikes First. Now, this is before elves got Always Strikes First as a rule race-wide. So this, in 7th edition, is a much bigger deal than it would be come 8th edition. They have Poisonous Attacks, once again standard, which it always should have been. And finally, they have Scout. So if you want to put them out on their own and have them do some mischief, you can do that as well. They got a big points reduction down to 90 points. Still not as cheap as the Hero Hammer era, but definitely better than the 125 that you would pay for them in 6th edition. They don't have a ton of options in this era. They can take an additional hand weapon for 6 points and a repeater handbow for 10 points. Now, remember the repeater handbows aren't the repeater crossbows. They are much shorter ranged. You can also give them Gifts of Cain, up to a total of 75 points. Gifts of Cain in this edition is something for assassins and witch elves, like it was in 6th, but there are more options here. And there are some assassin-only items. So those are what we're going to hit on in this era. First up is Rending Stars. Looks like someone has been watching the Adepts of Clan Eshin and thought that they looked pretty cool. So these are a thrown weapon, maximum range of 12 inches. They are strength user plus one. And they are multiple shot times three for 30 points. I kind of like them. I have to tell you, I think they're a better choice than the handbow if you've got some points to play with. 
you're going to get that lovely strength five multiple shots three times. And with ballistic skill nine, you really don't have to worry about those penalties. The other assassin only is an enchanted item. And this is the Cloak of Twilight. It is a bound spell, power level three, imbued with the darkness of a moonless night. This cloak allows the wearer to move rapidly and unseen. The Cloak of Twilight contains the Steed of Shadows spell from the Lore of Shadows. That's kind of cool. Neat little trick to get your assassin around the battlefield, maybe into close proximity of a war machine crew that you want to do terrible things to. All your favorites from 6th edition are here as well, including the Dance of Doom, the Rune of Cain, although the Rune of Cain now is model has plus D3 attacks, which is pretty wild. I like that a whole lot more. Everything in this book is just more powerful than it was in 6th edition. Assassins are also much, much better and quite a fair bit cheaper. So you can do some fun stuff with them in 7th edition. Now let's move on to the ultimate 8th edition. The Assassins received a name change in 8th edition from Assassins to Knight Assassins. While technically being correct probably wasn't necessary, they are very much the Assassins that we come to know and love by this point. They are back down to movement 5, and their leadership is down to leadership 8, but otherwise that stat line is the same as we know. Their special rules are always strikes first, hatred high elves, immune to psychology, murderous prowess, and poisoned attacks. So a bit of a change here. So eternal hatred is gone, and we are left with hatred high elves, which is okay. I mean, Eternal Hatred is better, so that is a bit of a downgrade. Murderous Prowess, however, kind of helps us make up for that in a little way. It was a army book-wide special rule for Dark Elves. Models with this special rule, but not their mounts, reroll all to wound rolls of one when making close combat attacks. So a really nice buff for an army that tends to max out around strength 4, so having that reroll is certainly a lot better than nothing. I don't know if it's necessarily better than the old Eternal Hatred, because that was a lot of rerolling misses, which was very, very nice. Hard to wound when you don't hit in the first place, as I always say, but otherwise, certainly a good rule to have, and something that was very unique amongst the elven factions. They still have killer not a leader, which is the old leadership rule. You still can't use them to hype up your troops. And they had hidden, which is our very classic hide in units rule. They are 90 points, the same that they were in 7th edition. And they do have some options, but this edition is one of the most restrictive for the Dark Elf Assassins. They can have an additional hand weapon for 2 points, a repeater handbow for 5 points. They may take one of the following, Black Lotus, Dark Venom, or Manbane. Those guys making a comeback, they are very different though. Black Lotus, for each unsaved wound a character suffers from a model equipped with Black Lotus, that character suffers a minus 1 penalty to their leadership for the rest of the game. Big downgrade there. 
Dark Venom. A model with the Dark Venom has the Killing Blow special rule. I mean, that's not terrible. And Manbane. A model with Manbane receives a plus one bonus on all rolls to wound. Rolls of one still fail. This combined with Murderous Prowess is pretty great. So you're usually wounding on threes, maybe even twos, with a reroll on those ones. I can get behind that. They're not as expensive as they've been in previous editions where they were a little bit more powerful. Black Lotus is 15 points. Dark Venom and Manbane come in at 20. And the Assassins may take magic items up to a total of 50 points. So yeah, in this era, Assassins are a little bit toned down. They probably reached their peak around 7th. Or I would think third if you want to count third in this because in third you could have a super lord who was also an assassin but that's a little bit cheaty uh, compared to other editions where they have just one profile and not five profiles i guess the moral of the story is play third edition sure now one thing that you may have noticed here is that we have a missing person for this episode Shadowblade, the master assassin of the Dark Elves, does not feature in this episode, and that's simply because I wanted to give him an episode all of his own. I have a great Shadowblade story, and I think he deserves it. And honestly, I couldn't find him. You know, he gets places, and I just, I wasn't sure. I think he might be standing behind you right now, but I can't be sure. Anyway, that is about going to do it for this look at the Dark Elf Assassins. An interesting unit with a long history, a very consistent history, except when it comes to options that change a whole lot between eras and editions. What's your favorite Dark Elf Assassin? Do you have any good Assassin stories? Assassins are always good for stories, because either they succeed, and it's really, really cool, or they fail, and they whiff on all their attacks, and they get butchered, and it's pretty darn funny. I I don't think you can have a terrible time with an assassin in your game one way or another. Also, who do you like better, Dark Elf Assassins or Skaven Assassins? Let me know. Alright, thank you very much for listening to this episode. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to The War Games Orchard. If you enjoy the show, why not join us on Patreon? There you'll gain access to all of our bonus content for any level of donation. It's a great way to help us keep going and enjoy extra Orchard content. If Patreon's not your thing, please consider giving us a 5-star review on your podcast platform of choice and sharing this show with friends. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook at The Warhammer Orchard and The War Games Orchard, or by email at wargamesorchard at gmail.com. 